Welcome to the Radio Bible Course. Today we begin Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, who share in a heavenly call, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in God's house. Yet Jesus has been counted worthy of as much more glory than Moses, as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if we hold fast our confidence and pride in our hope. The word therefore at the beginning of this section causes us to look back at all that was said about Jesus. And there are at least a dozen important things that have been said in chapters 1 and 2, beginning with the fact that Jesus is the one who spoke for the Father in the last days and who is the heir of all things. The writer said he was the express image of God and that he was greater than any angel, and he called him God himself. For in verse 8 of chapter 1 he said, Thy throne, O God, and it's a reference to Jesus. Then in chapter 2 he tasted death for every man. He's the captain of our salvation. He brings many sons to glory. He calls us brethren. And then Chapter 2 told us that he destroyed the power of the devil in regard to death. He is a merciful and faithful high priest, and he made propitiation for our sins. Furthermore, he calls Jesus here at the beginning of this chapter the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, we're not surprised at the high priest because that has been discussed, but how does Jesus qualify as an apostle? An apostle means one sent. And Jesus was sent by God. He is a high priest in that he offered a sacrifice. And that sacrifice saves men from sin. In Hebrews 9.24, we are told that he has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us as a high priest. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, we are told that he offered one sacrifice, and when he did it, he sat down. Now, in chapter 3, verse 1, the writer says, Therefore, holy brethren. What does he mean by holy brethren? These are Jews who are being addressed, Jews who seem to be wavering in their faith, and they are called holy. Yes, they are holy because of the meaning of that word. The word holy comes from the same root word from which we get saint and sanctified. It refers to being set apart by God. When were they set apart by God? When they believed in Jesus Christ. That made them saints. It comes from the same word. Think of this. I who have believed with all my sins, with all my weaknesses, with all my failures, God chooses to call me holy. And this is another fact. 
I'll never be more holy than the day I believed in Jesus Christ for my salvation. There is nothing that I can do to improve my holiness. What can I do to add to Christ's salvation, which has made me holy and has set me apart as God's own possession? God accepted me. He forgave me. He declared me right forever on the basis of faith in His Son. That's how much God thinks of His Son. And that's how much He values faith in His Son. He doesn't ask us to work to be holy. He asks us to believe. Now, in Hebrews 10.14, we have a comment from the writer in regard to this holiness. Listen to it. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. This passage is telling us that Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice on the cross, has perfected for all time those who have been set apart. We who have believed have been perfected. Now that's God's work, not ours. You say, how can this be? We are sinners. And indeed we are, but we also have a Savior from sin. Think of the church that perhaps had the worst reputation among those churches in the New Testament period. The Corinthian church was that kind of a church. And if we had such a church here today, you might not want to attend it or belong to it. But when Paul wrote to the Corinthians... He said this, that they were sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all their divisions, with their sin, with their worldliness, they were sanctified in Christ, yes, and he calls them saints. They're holy, not because of how they live, they are holy because of the one in whom they have believed. Now, believers in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, are addressed. They share, or are partakers. He said, holy brethren who share in a heavenly call. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, the word confession here doesn't have anything to do with confessing sins. This means our agreement with the facts of the faith. That's our confession. And what does he mean by heavenly calling? We are called to where he is. We are called to heaven by the one in heaven. Heaven is the believer's destiny. Now keep in mind that Israel had an earthly calling. They were called to the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey. It was promised to Abraham. Then again, to Isaac, and then again to Jacob. But the church has no such calling on earth. The church has been called to heaven. Paul brings that out when he wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
This statement could not have been written to the Jew in the Old Testament. They could not have been told, set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth, because they were very definitely promised earthly material blessings. That's a part of Judaism. But the Christian has a different calling. We have not been promised material blessings here on the earth. The early Christians didn't experience that, nor did they pray for it. They accepted the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and they were in a hurry to join him in heaven. Unfortunately, many Christians don't understand this and they keep trying to get blessed by God in a material way or a physical way when God has not promised that kind of thing. The New Testament teaches that believers in Jesus Christ are pilgrims and strangers down here. We read in Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is where? In heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Israel had no such hope. For forty years in the wilderness, Israel hoped for the land of Canaan. The land between the river Euphrates and the river of Egypt promised when God made a covenant with Abraham at the end of Genesis chapter 15. That was their hope. It was down here on the earth. And a kingdom was promised to Israel here on the earth. But not so for the believer. Now Paul said that he pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Not for a retirement home. Not for comfort down here. Paul had no riches, nor did he seek them. Now, one of the greatest problems of believers is loving the world, the present evil world and material things. And for that reason, John wrote in his first epistle, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, are not of the Father but are of the world. You might have heard what I have heard, that God doesn't want any of his children to be poor. That kind of teaching has led to what we know as the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it kind of promise. But that's totally foreign to the New Testament. Now in verse 1 we have a command. It's in the imperative. It says, Consider Jesus. That means give serious attention to who Jesus is and what he has already done. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The Greek word here means to think, and it has a preposition meaning down. Think down hard. Now we get too busy with church sometimes, and we don't have time to consider Jesus. We get the superficial teachings about Jesus, but this book of Hebrews will give us some heavy things to consider. In most colleges and universities, students have an opportunity to take a course known as music appreciation. It wouldn't be a bad idea to introduce into the church a course called Jesus Appreciation where we told everything we know about Jesus. 
Well, I know what the text might be for that course. It's the book of Hebrews. Because the book of Hebrews brings out in a wonderful way how great Jesus is. Oh, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the high priest. No one compares with Jesus. Of how much value is Jesus to you? Do you enjoy thinking about him? Do you discuss him with other people? you ever talk about the great things that Jesus did? The Gospels give you great opportunity to see the life of Jesus here on earth, to see the things he did and the things he said. They're worth talking about. Do you ever meditate on this God in the flesh who dwelt among us? What a friend he is to the believer. The songwriter, C. Austin Miles, in 1912, wanted to express this when he wrote that hymn in the garden, and he walks with me and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Well, the book of Hebrews does not emphasize Jesus as our friend, however. He instead is called the Apostle and our high priest, as the apostle, he's a representative of God, sent by God to the earth. And as a high priest, he represents us to God. A priest does that. Now Jesus, note the human name, represents both God and man. He is known as the mediator. He brings men to God. Now in verse 2, Jesus is compared with Moses, but our discussion of that will have to wait until tomorrow. I hope you'll join me here. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news.